This is the Evolution Exchange podcast, a channel that connects some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I'm Andy. I help connect businesses with the best UX and UI freelance talent. And today I'm your host. Okay, and welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast for another great podcast topic today, which is all about how to make sure that passion and creativity are the main focus in game development. So we've got lots of good questions to go through today and a great panel of guests. So we've got Johannes, who's the head of VFX at Remedy Entertainment. Christopher, who's the lead game designer and social uh, social manager at Sozap. Frederick, who's the lead uh, environment artist at Starbreeze. And Laz, who is the art director at SharpMob. So we're going to jump in uh, with some introductions before we go straight into the questions. Um, so first off, Johannes, please, could you introduce yourself? Yeah, hello, everyone. Uh, the name is Johannes. As you said, I am the head of VFX at Remedy. I'm looking after our VFX and tech art team. Uh, my background is actually film. I used to work in London for a long time in visual effects for the movies and have transitioned into games because uh, the fourth dimension, right, uh, or, or the fifth. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm really happy to be here and quite excited to see uh, where this is going. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Christopher, let's come to you. Yeah, my name is Christopher. I'm the lead game designer, but also social manager at Sozap. I'm doing a, bit, a little bit of everything, basically. But I started out with working within metal industry and then transcended into game industry after that one. So I kind of went from one totally opposed topic of work to this one. And wanted to work on and focus on my passions. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Frederick, let's come to you. Yes, the name's uh, Frederick Larsson. I am uh, a lead artist at Starbreeze. And uh, I uh, studied uh, 3D for film and VFX to begin with, but uh, got into the gaming industry and been in and out of the uh, gaming and uh, tech industry for a while. but. Right now, Starbreeze is uh, one of the lead artists. Nice, thank you very much. And lastly, Lars, let's come to you. Uh, hi, I'm Lars. Um, I have basically only been making games in my professional career. Started back in 99 and uh, been around basically Sweden, a little bit in Denmark. Uh, done most things within the visual field, like models, animation, VFX even. Um, and then UI for a long time. And now I am the art director at SharkMob. Fantastic, thank you very much. And I apologize if I've uh, absolutely butchered the pronunciation of anyone's names there, because uh, my uh, Swedish and Finnish is not that good. <laughs> it's a very strong English accent and uh, I'm awful at pronouncing names, so I apologize for that. But uh, thank you very much for the introductions uh, and we're going to jump straight into some questions. So lots to get through today. So uh, Johannes, let's start off with your question, please. Yeah, so um, I try to look at the, the, the wider scope when it comes to creativity, that is that we are creative within uh, a business of some kind. So uh, what are our strategies or your strategies to navigate uh, the creative aspirations, the stuff that we really want to do with the passion against the hard constraints that are reality, which is deadlines, budgeting, resourcing, and, and those kind of um, well, necessities, I suppose. Uh, cool. Frederick, let's uh, hear your first initial thoughts on this uh, this in particular question then on the topic. Yeah, I think it's, uh, to, to me at least, that's uh, a matter of uh, scaling down, going from high to low level. 
as in it, it, when you're pitching a game, your ideas are very high level and it's a good idea to like keep creativity on a high level. But as you get down, get down to like, we are delivering this level, this date, you sort of narrow down the level you go, you let the creativity run on a lower level, but still I feel like it's a very good idea to me at least to allow for creativity. Like when you're pitching the game, it's uh, big things. Are we gonna put it in a cave or a castle or in the clouds? Hmm. When you're delivering the le level, it's like, what, what text are we putting on this sign? And you sort of, to me at least, you always allow for some creativity to run through it because like even working as an artist it's I, I mean you have to put every pixel in the game so if there's going to be a sign there's going to be text on it and to me at least it's a good idea to leave some of that creativity and not may, maybe be very particular about what things are not decided so you leave some op some some things open to creativity even to the end, just to sort of preserve enjoyment in the actual craft. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lars, let's come to you on uh, your opinions on this uh, in particular question. Then, um, yeah, I, I agree with a lot that Frederick said, um, especially with the, the kind of ebb and flow of uh, a project that you start off with blue skies and everything is open and, and you you create and, and you have all these discussions about what it could be and, and it's not. Um, but I would say to, to keep it going throughout the project, you need to have some type of structure. Um, and one way to do it is to basically time box the shit out of it. Um, you take you take each part and then you time box it and then you work on that one and then you leave that for now and then you move on to the next one and then you work on that for a while. Um, and I think that, that you can keep the passion for something, uh, as long as you see progression and don't get bogged down and don't get stuck and don't get caught up in the all the fine details of everything. Um, and I think that's also why you have this ebb and flow of, of any project that you start off with the blue skies, you start off with the, the big picture and then it's much more easy to be creative. And as soon as you the deadlines approach us, right? You have the constraints and the budgeting, as you said. Uh, you can't, you can't keep being creative about it. You can't keep pushing boundaries. You can't keep just inventing and and uh, doing things like that. Then it's about packaging and, and making sure it works and making sure that it that it functions, um, which is also a very very interesting process. It's not as creative in that sense. Uh, usually, but you can still have the passion for the product. You still feel like this is this is really cool. I like what we're doing here. This is going to be awesome and fantastic. Um, and you're still progressing. You're still moving towards the goal. And mm. I think that's that's my main takeaway from this: that don't get bogged down. Just make sure that if you get stuck, try to get out of it as quickly as possible. Um, and for me, time boxing is a good way to do it. Um, I find that that helps because I only have this amount of time to do this particular mm. thing and then I need to test something new. I think that that really helps. Is that is that a strategy that anybody else on the on the panel here today uses? 
the, the time boxing. Anyone heard of that before or does implements that themselves? No, well, it is the reality, right? Oh. Delivering milestones, uh, they usually have different stages that you have to hit. Um, I'm, I always, I would almost say, well, to answer a bit my own question is, um, I feel it's actually quite liberating to have someone tell you you only have three weeks to do this, um, mm -hmm. because if you don't have that, this this eternal, oh yeah, we can do whatever for however long, doesn't really get you anywhere. The forcing function is then just your yourself saying stop at some point, and that doesn't fly. Uh, like it just does not fly. And I, I feel almost the tighter the constraints are, the the more the creative juices flow into a direction, into into the same direction, and <laughs> not into any direction. Um, and and I. I think that's actually quite an often overlooked aspect of this. Everyone goes, oh, well, yeah, the money thing, oh, the budget is too, you know, not enough time or whatever. Uh, but actually there is there is a necessity to this that almost helps uh, as a catalyst to to kill your darlings and go like, now we actually, if we have to really make it work in this constraint, then it can only be this. And it creates more sincerity and more certainty uh, and, and confidence and almost like, okay, I have now decision, this made this decision, we cannot untangle this anymore and then we can build on top it, all, it, it gives you stability in your longer term uh, planning um, and uh, or even creative thinking and going i'm not going to talk about the text on the sign right now because we can do this mm -hmm. later is part of that for example totally agree. yeah frederick do you want to jump in there yeah can i just tag in and agree fully like yeah <laughs> You shall. <laughs> yeah, because like creativity within constraints is usually, it usually triggers a whole lot of creative problem solving. At least in my experience, if you have, if, if, if it is completely open, you get stuck in this like artist's loop, like it's never finished. You can, you can always keep adding more stuff, but if you have this hard deadline, it's so much easier to sort of settle on high level things like, oh, this needs to be like that because we won't be able to deliver anything more. Mm -hmm. So then you can sort of constrain your aspirations within that and keep, I mean, it helps with the keeping progression. So you keep the passion and uh, in my mind, it at least it sort of triggers a creativity within constraints, which can be super helpful. Yeah, yeah. And just before we come to Christopher, obviously, I want to hear your opinions. Lars, did you have uh, something you just wanted to pick up on? No, I, I agree as well. Like it, it's it makes sense. Um, and again, you set up those targets, those constraints, and those division in the beginning, and then you execute on those things uh, and constraints, and and try to be creative within them. So yeah, I, I agree. Lovely, uh, Christopher. Go on then. What's uh, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, my thoughts on this. First of all, I'm i most widely agreed together with Lars on on his and just getting the glimpse of a time box. I never heard of that one before, so it was actually really interesting. For my part, working with level design and mission design, I usually use the word uh, shotgun effect instead. That uh, we're working on multiple different things, and I think that is one of the best ways to kind of spark and navigate through all these different kind of like aspirations that you do have within design and, and creativity, because you can try so much in such a like low amount of time. So going through this is like experience where you have the deadlines, budgeting and resourcing, going about just trying to get something down on paper as fast as possible 
and looking at these different kind of situations going on, then it's much easier to get a more creative kind of deal and something you can strive for in the end. And for me, who works on your smaller products and I don't have that much time and like on my deadlines and such, I, shotgunning has been like one of the best thing I've learned in my short amount of time within game development. And it helped me so many times instead of working on what we already talked a little bit about that you are a artist and you work in, there's always something to add. And that was kind of my mindset in the beginning when I started out. So evolving into this shotgun effect helped so much. Nice. And uh, obviously talking about different strategies, because that was the, the main qu question that Johannes has then. Lars, can you just expand a little bit on what you meant by um, time boxing then? Um... Yeah, basically, uh, if you have, uh, like, you know, you have a deadline coming up, right? And you only mm -hmm. have this much uh, budget to, to execute on this deadline. Um, then you also have the high level planning, you have the high level goals of, of the project that you set out. The, the frames that you work within um, and then you break that down and you have since you only have this amount of time you need to to take each part of this and time box it and and put it into this uh, timeline uh, usually you start off with with a very like for the first third of this this deadline we just do blue skies we we make things happen and then you kind of refine the parts that need refining and then you refine it even more but just so you don't get stuck on any particular part of it that drags out and takes way too long, at some point you just need to say, no, we're out of time. This is good enough. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Because I think Johannes has a very good point that, that you need the constraints, you need the, the frames, you need something to work within. Otherwise, you'll just pull in every single direction. Yeah. Yeah, no, thank you. That's, uh, you know, could be really beneficial for other people listening to it as well. And it, it touched on Johannes's point about the um, the time restraint. So to come back to you, Johannes, then, um, you know, after hearing, it was obviously your question, after hearing from the other guests, what have you taken from it? Um, yeah, well, we all super agree, I suppose. Um, it is a reality, but it is also a, a thing we we actually benefit from. And but quite often the reflex is like, ugh. Yeah, or the budget kind of thing uh, <laughs> from the creative point of view uh, and uh, uh, now I'm, I'm, I'm working as a sort of a team lead on a project and then of course you have to navigate those things the the, the, the deadlines when stuff has to actually be released and uh, coming up with for example the time boxing and saying okay I have those five things to do and I actually want them to be equally important I give them the, the equal amount of time and mm -hmm. then I just say, okay, the time's up now. We need to we need to go to the next one because otherwise you end up with the first thing being like really elaborate, and the second one will kind of a bit, and the rest is just oh damn, we have three days, we got to do them all. Mm -hmm. uh, so that that almost helps you to balance quality, balance um, complexity, uh, especially I mean if you go all the way down to the user experience, someone playing a game is like it would you know, can easily feel out of whack when you go like, oh, wow, they spend a lot of time on this and really not a lot of time on that. Mm -hmm. And you can sometimes tell, I would say, I mean, any pick any game off the shelf, you can kind of maybe sometimes tell where the boxes had not necessarily equal sizes. Okay. Um, and it always happens. I mean, you know, it's an aspiration trying to, to run it that way. And in the end, often uh, realities kick in and, you know, other, other, other constraints that, you know, sometimes those things are just getting a bit out of whack uh, it's game game development is a hard craft after all right and uh, but uh, yeah that, that's i find this really helpful because otherwise you're in this infinite 
continuum of everything's possible and how do you you know you need a point to hold on to or maybe a bunch of them and then that that has always been quite helpful so i'm, I'm it's actually quite good to hear that everyone feels the same yeah yeah go on Lars. before we uh, move on to the next question then yeah and also as you said kill your darlings like it's hard it's really hard and it hurts and it's not fun but you have to do it uh, yeah i yeah i yeah i agree <laughs> <What's that>? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. No, well, it's a, it's a great uh, first question to kick us off today. Uh, we'll move on to the second one because uh, we have still got a few to go through. So uh, we'll come to Christopher and uh, let's hear your question uh, then, please. Yes. Uh, so the one, one, one question I had and that I want to talk about is what are your best practices for keeping the passion and creativity over the course of a project? Because over time, I know a lot of people tend to kind of get like fueled out on on the topics that we're always discussing on that we're always keep working on and oh we're finally done with this oh now we need to keep going on this oh i don't feel the spark anymore when will it end mm -hmm. uh, and for me i mean we're working at the smaller studio and what helps me in my practices of, of designing and working with both mission design and level design uh, and then also the game design part uh, on top of that for me, the best creativity process for, for keeping all this fresh all the time is making sure that I'm always uh, working with change. So for me, the reason why I am the lead game designer and also the social manager is because I have the passion for doing both. So in order to keep my like my priorities straight and, and to work as good as possible, I'm keeping my mind fresh of doing different things that aren't that relevant maybe to each other all the time. In that way, I never feel like I'm fueling out to the same extent as I am like 100% focused on the same thing over and over again over a course of multiple days, for example. Yeah, uh, Frederick, let's hear your, your thoughts on that uh, question then from Christopher. Yeah, I think uh, this might actually be the question I actually answered with my last answer, because uh, uh, yeah, a, a lot of about like maintaining some sense of creativity is uh, you sort of narrow it down, like I said, but uh, I think a lot of the things we touched on earlier, like uh, the time boxing example, sometimes mm -hmm you just leave something and in my experience it's a pretty good idea to if you for example are working on the first level for a project it's that one's usually pretty hard to nail down and it's gonna take so much longer than any other level and from time to time again like christopher said just leave the level get some change and maybe get some headroom in planning to revisit it so yeah. and one thing i do like too is just sort of internal art bragging just when whenever you whenever you create a new asset take 15 minutes half an hour to just post it up put it in mm -hmm. beautiful lighting and brag about it to the project just yeah highlight the good things you've done yeah keep, absolutely keep the positivity yeah love it love it johannes what uh, what are your thoughts on um the question and obviously frederick's uh points there as well 
Uh, good point because projects are long, uh, like <laughs> so much longer than I, I was used to in the past. Uh, because in film is about a year, games is maybe about three if you're lucky, right? Um, <laughs> and uh, what I actually brought from my from my previous experiences is distance. Um, like you are not your project, even if you live and breathe it and think it and do everything just with it all the time. I think it's really important to to keep some form of distance to it to be basically what Frederick just said is like to, to be able to sort of take a bird's eye view every now and then um, to to not get bogged down on something that really bugs you and in the grand scheme of things is actually a really tiny slice of the actual user experience and that's maybe another aspect is think player I mean I, how often times have I obsessed about something that has a screen time of seven frames or something and uh, uh, that's not only movies, also games. Some some very tiny thing that happen, that happens sort of a player doesn't even notice or appreciate it, and and you, people lose their their sleep over it, right? Yeah. So that kind of distance, uh, I, I feel, is is healthy and important. Um, and maybe uh, but there are many things that can probably be said, but yeah, keep up the spirit. But uh, playing the game that is the player perspective, play it as much as you can. If it functions, <laughs> do it. Um, <laughs> every part of it that is playable. Because experience what you're making, because in the end we are making experiences. Um, and then basically we need to experience those experiences ourselves. And after a while you feel like, oh, very early on when things start coming together, you get a sense for the trajectory. Um, and I think that's the most important aspect. As long as you can see a path between where you are now, however deep the, the, the muck is you might be currently in, in your project, if you can kind of see some path that leads to where it is at the end, but you can somehow feel and imagine that even just subtly in some moments of some playtest that will spark the the enthusiasm to keep going um, and that you can basically do at any point in time in the project preferably when the build's working right yeah um, but uh, i think this this would be some of the aspects i see that are really important um to yeah not not lose the well lose the tree you know lose the forest for the woods no lose the forest for the trees yeah which <laughs> um, is very easy to happen um yeah go on frederick yeah uh, again just tacking on because playing the game you wouldn't believe how easy it is to actually forget to play the game when you're working and i'm talking about previous experiences when you're working on like a huge studio and you're just a tiny tiny cog it's so much easier than you think it is to forget to actually play the game you're building just on that and on that point that johanna said there about you know play seeing the work you've done and playing the game to keep that that passion and creativity there i spoke to um, someone a while ago who's obviously in the gaming industry and developed games and they said uh that they lost or they sort of lost a little bit of the passion for it because they knew how the game was made you know like the because they see all the background to it they lose a little bit of the magic of playing a game from where someone from like my perspective who doesn't have any involvement in terms of actually making games i would like be amazed by something whereas if you've made it you like well i know how that's made and i know how that's worked so it's sort of like sort of like knowing how a magician does a magic trick in a sense so do you ever you know when you're saying like play the game do you ever like lose that a little bit if you're the one that's made it 
go on, Christopher, or, or whoever wants to sort of <laughs> tackle that. No, it's so interesting when when you're saying about this, uh, like part when when somebody gets into the to the, into the video game development that they kind of lose the spark of playing a game, and that is usually the the thing about people that are more analytical kind of placement within it because they usually take work home instead yeah. <laughs> that is something I, i've noticed with a lot of people that oh i hardly play any games anymore i myself i'm a huge gamer i love games especially retro so i'm, I'm always been analytical about everything so for me going into the game development it didn't really change that much i'm okay. kind of I'm, I just got the more vocabulary to describe the games of why things are happening. Because before this, I could take two, three games. It's like, oh, this is this game. This has this kind of functionality. Oh, this game, this has this kind of mechanic. Oh, if you smash these together. Oh, oh yeah, we're getting this game that was done a reason uh, like a while ago and so on. So it's super I interesting. I've definitely become so much more tolerant with bugs <laughs> when I play games like... <laughs> <laughs> it is admiration, as I often say, I, because you know how the sausage is made and how hard it sometimes is to pull something off. I think that's definitely an aspect that becomes stronger when you make the sausage in your day to day. Yeah. Uh, but also, if it's a great game, I, I forget. At the same yeah. films, basically. If, that... if, if it's a good film, then I'd never notice what's actually going on. If it's a near film, then I, I look for the, the things that, you know, I was like, oh, I can tell this and I can see that and this isn't well composite. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot about that. It's definitely helped, like, appreciate good games in, in a way. So, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I struggled a little. Maybe that's just part of growing up. You don't have time to play that much anymore, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't I, know. I think that uh, games, uh, playing games, it's it's getting harder and harder when you grow up. And, and I have a family now, three kids, and and uh, a social life, and and everything like that. And, and I don't have the time to play all these games. And I have less patience for for games that don't catch me, or <laughs> that I think is is uh, interesting from the get go. It's really difficult to. to sit down and play a single play games for it's hours a, the hours. appreciation for a story mode or yeah. aim assist yeah. right aim. <laughs> yeah. aim assist. If, if you only have uh, 45 minutes to spend on something you're not gonna do the, you want to feel a bit of the grind and then please move on right? yeah <laughs> yeah no but seriously final fantasy these days I, I just can't it's too big too long too much uh, I love the games, but I just can't play them anymore. Uh, it has to be shorter chunks that it's it's working for me. Yeah, but I I heard someone say th those get gets good after about sixteen hours. So <laughs> yeah, I'm out before that for sure. <laughs> cool, Christopher. Yeah, I find it interesting as well because when it comes to to game development and and so on as well, and talking about of course the the subject today as well with with the creativity and passion. I mean, looking at the, the people who are creating the games right now, it's our type of generation. We're making the games we wanted to play when we were young, or we're trying to copy the games we played when we were young. So it's so interesting to see so many open world games being produced today and games that do take a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah, well, but I think that we, uh, again, uh, Shark Mob is a bigger studio. It's not the biggest, but it's bigger. And we get a lot of interns and we have, people like me who have families and, and are very senior uh, and I think the mix there talking about 
creativity and passion and also trying to answer your question here i think the mix there is really really important like you, you have these young people coming in and they're super enthusiastic like they they they, they this is the best shit ever i love this I, i'm here i finally made it and they want to make everything and uh they come in with with a very yes of course i can do this mindset and it's very very refreshing for for somebody like me <laughs> to to see and be around and and it helps me keep my spark and creativity and then i can come in with a bit of experience and go like yes that's a cool idea but have you thought about this and that and then you can kind of steer the the, the work uh, so I think that, that the mix of people and the mix of looking at a games company, which I think is fairly unique in the, in the way we create these products, they are very complex and they need specialized people, at least the bigger titles, to do all the parts of it. Um, and I think that that creativity happens in the meeting between, the, between these disciplines and these people. I'm not an expert in, in coding. Uh, I'm not even an expert in all the art things. There are experts who are much better painters, uh, modelers, riggers, animators, whatever, than me. Uh, I have the broad strokes. They do all the fine things. But then you find little nuggets in, in what a programmer says that, yeah, of course we can do this. And you go, ah, that's cool. But this artist said that you could do that. And then you bring them together and then sparks happen, magic happens. And, and it, it's, I think that's a unique part of game development to have this mix of disciplines and and people with different takes on on a problem i yeah. i yeah i really like that that's a big uh, motivator for me to go to work fantastic people are usually smarter than me that that's basically what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> well it was a great uh, fantastic second question um so we're sort of like halfway through so i'm gonna sort of break off from the questions here and ask my own so let's just go around and ask because uh, you got me thinking then when you were talking about what games everyone plays i'm gonna go around and ask you which game you're playing at the moment i've seen johannes's face there just <laughs> oh god what am i playing at the minute so uh, we'll start with christopher first go on what's your favorite game at the moment then my my favorite game at the moment has got to be Escape from Tarkov. I have sunk so much hours into this game currently, and it, it's insane. Uh, <laughs> there are so many good games that I played as well, but the time I sunk into this game is just insane. So I, there's no other game I can I can say at nice. the moment. Nice, Frederick. What are you playing at the minute then? Yes, I am playing god of war pc i've been waiting so long for the pc release and it was so worth it i i've done the story i've beaten all the valkyries and i've done the impossible difficulty on the muspelheim challenges but i don't feel finished with it the combat in that game is so polished i feel like once you've mastered it i just i just want to keep playing that that entire game was so good. Nice, nice. Johannes, let's go to you. Uh, I had to think for a moment. Uh, the, the last uh, Satisfactory I was just playing not, not too long ago, uh, which is a wonderful time sync with no outcome, but it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, no. and, and then something really tiny called Mini Motorways. Very tiny. Oh, the, oh, uh, the, the, Apple, the Apple game. Too. Well, it's now it's on Steam or something. I got it. Oh, is it okay? Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm fully aware of Forbidden West coming out tomorrow, and I know this will eat <laughs> a lot of my time. Yeah, I only know the uh, mini motorways one from it's on the Apple Store, like Apple thing, and I got it for like a month trial, and I was obsessed with it. Like it's so addictive. 
Uh, but yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And uh, Lars, what's yours? I, I, I'm going to be boring. I play, I played the um, Heroes of the Storm <laughs> yesterday, really old, uh, just because it's comfortable. I know the game. <laughs> uh, it takes like 20 minutes and the match is over. Um, that was basically it. I tried to play Cyberpunk just because I wanted to see what it was all about, and I just couldn't. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. No, it was open world, right? <laughs> yeah, it was open world. Um, yeah. <laughs> Nice, nice couple of great games in there. Okay, well, uh, let's continue with some of the questions then. So, Lars, let's come to you with your question, please. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, creativity and passion. Uh, I was want to ask if, if, if it's a big part of your... Do you feel it's a big part of your everyday work uh, and part of your projects? Uh, and, and then how do you use it to your advantage and uh, what are the potential pitfalls of creativity and passion why why i'm not going to say too much but but i want to hear your your opinions on this because i've found that it might not always be positive it has a few flaws yeah well, it's an interesting take on it so i'll see if there's any sort of pitfalls or potential pitfalls that we could fall into so uh christopher let's come to you first oh damn <laughs> <laughs> oh damn uh, no it, th this is actually a really interesting uh question in my opinion and looking at uh, the creativity and passion on the projects where i'm currently working on i'm i've actually during my four and a half well yeah almost four and a half years at zozap i've been working on multiple projects I've, I'm, I'm still working on the first project when i started there but i also worked on the other different products that we we've been working on so for the second game for example i actually was the audio director due to the fact that i'm also working on a podcast considering and working with composers so I, I was the only the, the only one who could kind of speak the same language as the composers we were working with. So there we had the creativity, the passion for me having my outs like an interest I had outside of work put into the work of the projects we're working on. And well, it was the advantage of me having this interest, being able to talk to the composers, be able to get all the reference materials and everything needed for it. But the pitfall is. I'm utterly trash when it comes to projecting in time and budgeting. <laughs> <laughs> so so it, it's so interesting when I noticed this this question and I was like, it's it's like written for me. <laughs> 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 but but looking at the other kind of projects that I'm working on with with Armed Heist that is released as well. And that one we it doesn't really feel like I have a like a big part of creativity. It's always these kind of small bits and pieces from time to time. So it's, I'm kind of coming back to what I said about the shotgun effect, because we wanted more to just get things out rather than being able to have this time box with a, for a longer period of time where we can kind of iterate and, and keep working on it. It was like, oh, this needs to get done. This is just ASAP. Oh, this felt good, go. Mm. And, and that came with the pitfalls of, well, the time constraints were kind of a bit busy in order to all the content that needed to get created. And I never really felt that there were any advantages to it, but that is something that I got back when players started playing my missions and a feedback got in instead. Then I started to, to notify some advantages and that kind of sparked my passion and creativity as well. It's like, yeah, I need to make more of this because this is what I noticed people like. Mm. So that, that super good question. <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh, Johannes, let's come to you. 
Um, yeah, double-edged sword, right? Uh, creativity and passion is a big part of our project. Um, Remedy, where right now we're known for, you know, passion projects. They're very uh, lovingly crafted, story-driven, quirky, new, weird. Um, um, they're, they're like off the mainstream. Um, and that usually is the bumpier ride because you're trying to not do the the obvious basically um and uh that is wonderful to work within and and be part of and being able to contribute to because it's it's quite liberating you can like really you know be very well creative and very uh lots of ideas and um uh, and, and all those things come together and create this this obscure little little piece that comes out of it, uh, but of course it has it, it has the well, the pitfall of this is sometimes how do you build a vision that everyone can just adhere to if if it's not the obvious it's totally easy to explain to someone something obvious because you like you say the thing they're like oh yeah I totally know what you mean uh, but now you go into something that is so much more um, creative it sounds so judgmental everything's creative but it's so much more particular. Mm. Uh, and then you say, hey, the thing, and, and, and no one knows what you're talking about. <laughs> and then it really it boils down to how do you explain the thing that is really obscure and has never been, you know, it's just odd uh, and not obvious that mm. everyone gets it. And then, and how do you then make it? Uh, because you're not making it yourself. You, you have, I don't know, 50, 100 people working on those things. And, and how do you not stray off the path that it turns into a big blob that goes into all kinds of directions? Um, and yeah. I think that's really a... a yeah, that, that's 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 two sides of the same coin. It's great, but also a big challenge. Um, yeah. And sometimes it's unfathomably frustrating when you don't understand what the thing is supposed to be, and you try really hard, but you somehow it doesn't connect uh, the translation process from vision holders to people implementing it. Uh, and we're somewhere on the scale; everyone finds themselves right. Uh, that that can be also very very hard. Um, and that that is sort of what we're navigating but uh, uh well someone i used to work for i used to always say we were not working at the umbrella factory right so uh, uh, umbrella factory is easy because you make umbrellas and everyone like okay that's an umbrella i know what to do you <laughs> kind of you don't even need an explanation you can make an umbrella but that's not the umbrella factory and that's why it's hard because we have no yeah, idea yeah. what we're building until it's there uh, and that that is really um uh yeah great and sucks at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I can, I can really relate to that. Like you, if when you're making something, uh, as you say, it's something creative or something new, that isn't following a beaten path, then you also need to explain it to people, or they need to get it instantly. And it usually has to be ten times better than the standard. It can't just be twice as good. It has to be much better than the standard for people to instantly think that this is awesome. Otherwise, people will go back to what they're used to. Uh, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it usually sort of turns into you just you find an easy way to explain it. It's it's God of War meets Zelda meets, I don't know, Starcraft. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, yeah. That is. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it in front of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, at the same time, uh, like you said, Johannes, it's so like even even if you find the, the perfect analogy for whatever you're describing, you can't describe it until it's there. So it's I mean, everyone's gonna if you're 
trying to describe an original idea. It's, mm. uh, yeah. And Laz, to come back to you, obviously, you said you wanted to hear what other people had to say before you sort of, you know, gave your thoughts or your opinions on your, your sort of own question. Uh, so just listening to those other opinions, then, is there anything that, you know, you want to further explain or give your opinion on? Like, I think that creativity and passion, uh, it's something that is expected of people within the industry. I think that when you get into the industry, you get into it because of your passion and you want to be creative and you want to create these amazing products that blow people away. And when reality hits, this passion and creativity can turn to frustration. Uh, if uh, those uh, those uh, thoughts and, and your, your ambitions are not realized because of time constraints, budgets, uh, whatever technical issues you might have. Um, and again, I often see that with, with new people coming in that again, blue skies, this is amazing. I'm here. I can do all the, all the things that I want, but you probably can't. So you, there is this, uh, not fear, but it's, it's, uh, easily turns to frustration when, when you hit your head against the wall and you try to be creative, but it's not really working and you do it again and again, and then the passion kind of fades away and, and you can see the glow go out and it's, it's a sad thing. So I think that's, that's one of the main pitfalls being told that you can be creative. This is a creative industry. You need to be passionate about the projects, but it's really hard in reality to keep that flame going. I think that yeah. that's that's a big one, uh, and then you need to keep the team spirit up, and and uh, if that's what we thrive on, um, yeah, how do you keep it going? <laughs> that's basically. Yeah. And about yeah. about passion in particular, it was a bit of a hot topic uh, some years ago. Crunch. Yeah. It's pretty I easy to explain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably still is. But yeah, it's like, I guess it's pretty hard to, when you are passionate about a project and you sort of identify so much with the product you're building, it becomes pretty easy to sort of take the work home. And uh, yeah, you, your employer is probably not going to complain if you put in 12 hour days just because you want to, but uh, I, uh, that's, I, I would, I would definitely, yeah, yeah, def definitely. I mean, you need to like to to be consistently good to have a sustainable work life. You need to keep a healthy work life balance. Well, that actually, I think, leads on to your sort of question there, Frederick. So let's sort of uh, segue into your question because I think it sort of, you know, relates a little bit to that um, in terms of personal routine. So go on, give us, like, formulate your question for us and we'll, we'll discuss that a little bit. Yes, it's essentially after so many years in the industry, do you have a personal routine to keep your own passion and creativity alive? And uh, I'll tell you, what, let's start with yourself, Frederick. Do, do you, what's your sort of routine? Uh, yeah, do, doing a callback to my God of War binge, I have a pretty specific routine where I just allow myself to binge every now and then. And that's probably like a once a year thing. I keep, I mean, like every game developer, I have a gigantic backlog of 
games that I want to play someday. I probably won't. Maybe I will. <laughs> but I do have those games that I kind of, I almost make time in the calendar. Like this week, I'm going to nerd binge. I'm going to just uh, probably sleep too little, probably <laughs> have an unhealthy life for a while. But I'm going to binge this game and just act a little bit like a kid again to sort of rekindle that nerd flame. That's funny that you said, basically, uh, I get no sleep and I have a horrendous uh, life balance there, but that recharges me. (laughs) That makes me feel better. Platinum for the win, right? (laughs) Go on, Johannes, what about yourself? Um... I, th- I think what I said earlier, it's distance in the most positive way. Uh, so because it's easy to be so close to something to then burn yourself on it and trying to keep a uh, what you're working on far enough away that you not become blind of it. Um, that's almost a conscious effort, not only for me, but also then looking at you know the team um, that, that I work in and the people that I look after to uh, at some point realize that, well, you know, a decal is just a texture, it's a bunch of pixels and and sort of put things in relation and maybe look through the eyes of the player and think, hey, so mm. how much of that? And I'm not saying let's actively compromise quality or something, but it's it's sort of rejig our, the mind frame a bit and say the, the, how the amazing experience is being created and you're a part of it. And, 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 and sometimes... Um, uh, that's important to keep keep actively in mind. And uh, because I've been well, working in the creative industries for such a long time, you, you tend to start um, doing less and less. Uh, the, the strokes get broader. And uh, I always find it's really important to somewhere have your foot in the muck. Uh, somewhere having to do a thing that is actually taking the pixel out of the shelf and polishing it until you know it's really pretty and putting it back. Even if it's just something small, because time constraints are there, you know, much better people to do those things uh, often. Um, but it keeps sort of the the thrill alive a bit, going like, damn, now I have a, a development manager breathing down my neck because I have to deliver this tiny thing. But I still have to do that. And I I guess it's a bit of a taster for that for that type of, um, I don't know, it's almost like nostalgia, that memory uh, uh, from oh, the trenches, some people say that. <laughs> and, uh, I think that's also very good also do not lose track of what is the reality how does it actually feel to actually work uh, on on like hands on stuff um because it's great to be involved in broader strokes and look look after people that do the, all those amazing things with with all their knowledge and skills and experience and um but but staying a bit warm yourself really helps to keep you grounded that you don't float off somewhere and lose touch so i guess that these are some of the things i think about a lot to keep alive yeah, yeah, no, really good. Uh, Christopher, let's come to you. Yeah, th- this question kind of feels a little bit funny to me because, first of all, I haven't been all these many years in the industry. I'm quite new in the industry, to be honest. Uh, I just have this wide inspiration and, and uh, like aspiration to make games and play games at the same time. But sort of like my when it comes to my personal routine of, of keeping it live is, well, when it comes to level design and game design, I usually say we're like a jack of all trades, but a master of none. So I'm finding passion and creativity from like everywhere. So I'm I'm basically walking around looking through like guides, looking through art books, going through podcasts on a daily routine almost, 
I mean, I'm always having something that I feel that I can envelop myself and, and develop myself over time into the next. I, I'm buying so many art books at the moment. It's crazy. And I'm still like opening them up. It's like, oh, they're beautiful. Oh, this makes me think about this. Uh, and then when I'm putting them back in the shelf, I was like, I'm not an artist. <laughs> I'm not I'm not painting anything, but but still there is always these little tid like small sparks and, and like uh, nuts and bolts and everything that almost just goes together in the end. And I'm just feeling the passion from everywhere. And I noticed this when I was studying uh, for, for becoming a level designer. I, I always was in, in the room for programmers. I headed over to the graphical artists and they were like, oh, I can't talk to the programmers. And then I was working as a bridge instead between them. And I just love that part. It was so much fun. So my personal routine basically to keep my own passion up is just to try be this like messenger for my own self in order to just become a better person in understanding the, the theory behind everything. And then I just need to put in my experience and time with it while I'm working in order to, to make the best practice in the end out of the things I'm learning. And when I don't want to do this and or that, then I'm just playing games because that is my way of relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you've got the time. <laughs> yeah, I always very, make the time. It's important. <laughs> very, very passionate answer. Very on topic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, lastly, Lars, what's uh, what's your sort of routine? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I have a specific routine to to keep myself creative or passionate about it. I, I've been making games for 20 plus years now, and I still love it. I still mm. think it's fun. Um, but what I found is that I need to be fairly healthy. I need to have a maybe that's what Johannes touched on, but have a distance to my work. I need to step outside my my role as the art director for this project i need to uh, look at other things and do other things um and if if i if i have that distance to my work then then that's always going to stay fresh it's always going to stay interesting and something that i'm curious about and that i can feel uh, ignites that spark again um I think that's super, super important for for my personal like experience, uh, and then just looking at uh, other media, other other things around me um, that could inspire me. So not getting tunnel vision uh, yeah. is really, really important. Um, Would you say that's um, that's changed with yourself in like with experience? So like when you were sure. first coming into the industry compared to now. Absolutely, it has. Yeah. Uh, when I started out, I did 3D models. I sat uh, in my room didn't doing 3D models. Then I moved to my own apartment, mm -hmm. uh, still doing 3D models, and then just playing games. And that was basically my life. That's what I did for uh, years. And after a while, it starts to become stale. Uh, fortunately, I was at a company where I could switch. So I moved on to, to um, making VFX, actually. Uh, which was uh, super fun to make things explode and blow up and <laughs> smoke and everything like that. Uh, and then that kind of kindled that passion and creativity again. It was a new field that I can explore and, and see. And and then I moved on to, to UI because they needed a UI guy and nobody really wanted to do it. And I was like, yeah, sure, I, I can try it out. I've never done it before, but sure, I'll, I'll have a go. <laughs> and I found that super interesting as well. That, like all of a sudden I have the experience of making models and animations and textures and then VFX and, and then I can apply that to my UI 
and then I did a couple of stupid decisions like trying to make a UI in 3D, um, <laughs> which worked out. It was creative and unique and passionate for sure, but it was very, very, very hard. Uh, but, but like having all those experiences and bringing in different sources and, and having a distance to what you're actually doing at the moment and, and making sure that that's your well-being, like take care of yourself. Um, I think that's very, very important. Yeah, such a good answer too. And very important. Maybe I should add, I don't break my exercise routine when I go on my nerd benches either. <laughs> because <laughs> I mean, just personally staying healthy and keeping a life aside from the game development is is very important. And yeah. and so I it's not that the that case that you just go into a dark room and three days later, you just come out and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> And I think that, that the older I get, the, the more I, I, I think it's important. Uh, when I was young, my body was still good. Uh, so it was fine. Uh, <laughs> Go on, Christopher. Yeah, I'm, I'm finding it interesting because you, Lars, you were talking a little bit about different things that kind of sparked. You tried out different kind of things as well. I think that is also something important to, for companies to keep in mind as well, to always have that ability to make people kind of focus and, and kind of rework themselves a little bit, even though it's kind of in within the same subject. I mean, you said you didn't work with UI before, so it's like super interesting when you kind of ask like, hey, I can do it. I mean, you have the passion enough to do it at least, and that's way more than anybody else is saying, oh, I'm not up for it at all. <laughs> so, I think it's a bit of naivety and stupidity and and uh, <laughs> more than anything. Like, yeah, you, you need a bit of that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. I think it's a, it's a it's a good kind of ability or quirk for somebody to have within game development, though, even even though we sometimes don't always have the time for it. But I think trying to strive and always have that can always be like a good reason to reignite the sparks all the time. Because first of all, if you're going into UI and you just notice that saying, oh, OK, this was not for me, then your spark for creativity on what you was working was on before, maybe it reignites and you're like, yeah, this is what I am passionate about because you can see this in so many people especially younger people today it's like oh i don't know what i'm gonna do you're like you're 25 you're out of school since a long time ago and you still don't know what to go going to do and it feels like you're, you're starting to see this more and more happen so i think it's very much it is very important for us to actually have this available for people in order for them to be a better asset in the company in the end absolutely and I think that that touching on that a little bit, like again, I strongly believe that the magic happens between disciplines, and the broader your knowledge is of other people's work, the better decisions you make, and the, the better the results will be for it. Um, so yeah, yeah, fantastic. Well, uh, that was the that was the last question. So uh, really good question to end on. Actually, got some really good insights. Uh, there into sort of personal routines and things but it's uh, been a really good podcast and really good, great questions all the way through so uh, I'll take this opportunity to thank our four guests so Christopher thank you Johannes Frederick and Lars thank you very much for your participation I thank hope you, you enjoyed it and uh, everyone listening hope you took some from, uh, something from it as well so uh, that's today's podcast if anybody else would like to join on the next episode please feel free to message me directly on LinkedIn and we can discuss some topics but uh, we'll see you next time bye thank everyone you